The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 120th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summers and I am the host of this lovely show with currently no voice to my name. Joining with me as always, I have my good buddy and friend Floyd Johnson Jr., my man. I, I don't even know how to ask that question. Hi, how are you doing? I am doing well. Um, it, it is just one of the greater weekends that I've ever had uh, collectively with some of the best people awesome, uh, best people that I can hang with. It was great. I did want to throw this out there. There was no preview for All Out Weekend because I lost the battery to my laptop. So I was never really able to arrange anything with Austin because... I wouldn't have been able to do anything. I might have been able to make it through the recording, but I wouldn't have been able to, you know, upload or anything because my computer would have died. I then got a replacement charger on what is that Sunday morning? Why? So I could do my fantasy draft because <laughs> I wouldn't have been able yes. to do to do my fantasy football draft because uh, dealing with the hotel that we were in, uh, they did. Uh, them finding my laptop charger was not their priority. <laughs> yeah, so when so Wednesday night we stayed in a room and it was a free night for the hotel, so it was great. Well, with Thursday morning we had already had a reservation, so the goal was to just uh, the goal was just to um, c- you know continue in the same room. I even told the lady, yeah, that, that lady the day before, and I was like, we actually are here for like six days, but. You know, it's two separate reservations. She's like, yeah, don't worry about it until tomorrow morning. Next morning, they're like, well, your room that you're in right now is booked in a block by, uh, I guess, the top. It was a thing called, and Austin might know it is, Top Guys. Uh, Top Guys is the top tier of um, Patreon for uh, People that are ad free shows, you know, ran by Conrad Thompson. Yeah. So, so they had a top, top guy weekend, you know. So I was in their block. So they was like, you got to move. So I moved and I thought I had everything. I I double checked. I did a triple check 
And yeah, I, I guess the charger was plugged in and under something, so I didn't see it. So I went without it, and I just like, dude, I just, like Tillis left the room yesterday. Could y'all get the charger? Well, no, no, and, and it was even worse that the they I I was you listening to them on the house cleaning, uh, and they were trying to describe what it was, and they had no idea what they were talking about. And I was like, they don't, so they don't even know if they found it. They just. They just gave they up just trying to. They don't, yeah, they just gave up. They just gave up trying to communicate with the person. So, uh, yeah, that was interesting. But yeah, it did suck because I really wanted to review it. Uh, I honestly wouldn't have predicted a lot that went on during the show, as we will get right into the predict, right into the review soon. But yeah, I just wanted to get that out there because, like, I wasn't going to pretend like we didn't expect to do a show because we did. It was just, yeah, I didn't have a computer. It's all good, yeah. And like I said, like it was a bummer that we weren't able to do that, but we are going to do our All Out 2021 review. And we're joined by our good friend who we also saw down in Schaumburg, down in Chicago. We have Jr. Jesus, Jr. Perez. Uh, you can find him on the Horror Podcast, uh, Trick or Treaters Podcast. Jr. Man, how you doing? I literally just landed approximately... Two hours ago, went straight home, and Floyd was like, "You, you stayed at home safe? Yes. Ready to do a review? Yes. Let's do it. It was an amazing week, and I can't wait to get started." Yes, and we're we're not gonna spend too much time now uh, rambling on about other stuff because we we have to talk instantaneously about all out because I mean, what a freaking show it was! So. Real quick, we got to do the spiel, and then we'll get into everything. Um, we got to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform, be sure to share us with our friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish to give us a share. We would really appreciate it. You can leave a rating and a review. If you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. But the easiest way to support us is supporting us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this podcast possible. And they also have a bunch of other shows you should check out that are on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And JR, where can people find you on Twitter? JR can be found on the Trick or Treat podcast. Um, the Trick or Treat podcast is at Trick or Treat pod. And he, that's how he would uh, prefer that uh, that you reach out to him. All right. Is JR there? I don't know. I, just... I, I saw his mic was muted for a moment, so I, th- I thought he had pulled, got pulled aside. If, if he's there, he can just announce himself. But, yes, I gave him the uh, – the, yeah, I gave his podcast out. So there you go. Yes. Thank you, Floyd. I, I was having some technical difficulties. It's all good. Yep, we'll just move straight through this, though. Uh, the big news of the week, of course, was All Out Weekend itself, and we're not even going to waste any more time with the news of the week because, I mean, like the news is literally the show we're talking about. All Out 2021. Hey, Floyd, do you want to just do like general, like overall show thoughts right now before we get into every match, or do you want to just get into the matches? I uh, okay. I will say. As a person that has, uh, and I hate saying, sometimes I hate saying it because I, I don't want it to come off like I'm bragging because I'm not, but a person that has been to almost every AEW pay-per-view, 
of pay-per-views under the AEW banner, I think this is clearly number one. Okay, and I will I will add on to that, actually, because I'm glad that you listed that. Because, um, again, I don't want this to come off as, as bragging either, because me and my sister, because we always go to, go to shows together, we have been very fortunate with the shows that we have been able to attend. Like, I feel like everybody... As a wrestling fan, even though I know we're not, I don't want to spend this whole show bashing the other company either. That's not what I want to do. But, I mean, we got to go attend a WrestleMania. I mean, it wasn't an amazing WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania 34. It was a, it was a good, solid WrestleMania. Um, but that alone, I think, just as a fan of wrestling, even though the other company doesn't really like the word wrestling, um, getting to go to a WrestleMania is always going to be a high mark as like one of the shows that you attend. And at that same show, I got to see the undertaker come back, which I never thought I'd see him wrestle live in my life because I thought he was done. I got to see one of my favorite matches live, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, NXT takeover is new Orleans, the unsanctioned match. That match was unbelievable. I got to see the debut of, I got to see all in where Jericho shows up and that whole show happened. I got to see the debut of John Moxley at Double or Nothing. I got to see the debut of Santana Ortiz at All Out. And I got to see my favorite wrestler of all time return to wrestling after seven years at the first dance. So I mean this with every fiber of my being. All Out 2021 is the best show I've ever attended as a wrestling fan. I don't, I, part of me wants to say it's the best wrestling show I've ever seen. But that's 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 a hard thing to say because there's just so many good shows I've seen. But at least in the shows that I've been to, this is the best one. And number two is the first dance. And the only reason it's number two is because I watched Punk for about 15, 20 minutes. And then I spent the rest of the show waiting in line for a T-shirt. And I got the T-shirt, so it made it all worth it. Waited in line for a T-shirt. But All Out 2021. This show is the best wrestling show I've ever been to. And JR? Uh, it's up there. I mean, I for me, attending Double or Nothing 2019 in Vegas was really, uh, for me, it was a very special thing because it was the first uh, AEW pay-per-view, first AEW-branded you know event that they did. All Out 2021, um, I think superseded uh superseded that as well as every other AEW pay-per-view by far especially when you take into account it seemed like the the majority of their pay-per-view events was underneath the COVID-19 pandemic down there in Jacksonville but you know with that said even before that if you compare those ones that opened up I mean um I just think this was from beginning to end was a very fun exciting show I think everybody brought their A game. I don't think there was, with the exception of the cooler match, um, I don't think there was a dull moment to be seen in the event. In the overall grand scheme of wrestling, um, I, I agree with you, Austin. It's hard to say it's like the best event ever, especially because you know there's so much out there. As far as ones I've attended, it's up there with WrestleMania 31 as being the top two shows I've ever attended. Yeah, I, 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 our good friend um, uh, Ross Twiddell from Cultaholic, uh, me and my sister are friends with him. Um, 
he said in his recent WTF moments for the show that he thinks that this is the best wrestling show he's seen since WrestleMania 17, which, my God, that's a statement. And I love his enthusiasm for it. I know people will disagree with that, and that's fine. But I, like, just the fact that people are even saying something like that, I think, is a, is a testament to how massive this show was. And, I mean... It's just crazy how much of a splash this show made and how much noise AEW has been making these last few weeks. And we're just going to quickly go from that to move into the actual matches. So we'll we'll quickly cover the buy-in, which I spent standing in line for merch. Uh, so I didn't see it in person, but I did watch it back recently. The, the buy-in match was the Hardy Family Office, which consisted of Angelico, Jack Evans, Isaiah Cassidy, Mark Quinn, and big money Matt Hardy. So basically private party TH2 and Matt Hardy versus best friends Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy, and Wheeler Yuta, and Jungle, Ex- Dr- Jungle Express with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. And from watching this match back, this was just a really good, like high stakes, just like not, not high stakes, but just like high action, opening fun match that just saw the baby faces going up. Good way to just like get people excited for the show to start. We saw the return of The Butcher, which was cool as hell and then the dark order came out and that was awesome and they got a huge pop and man i gotta say though the fucking spot where they were like jungle boy and luchasaurus were playing chicken with the other members of uh the hardy family office where they like jungle boys literally on top of his shoulders and they're just swatting at each other and then they dive off each other and do crazy shit dude like that alone like i was like god damn that made this match like that made this match higher than just a normal like house show style 10-man tag um so this was a really fun one um didn't have anything really going it was a buy-in match so it it did what it needed to do but i still think it did better than it even had to do like because it was just it was really fun so jr uh thoughts on the thoughts on the buy-in match real quick yeah i mean it was was a high octane i think it set the tone for the night especially if Let's say you turned into the buy-in and you were going back and forth and maybe you should order the pay-per-view, maybe you shouldn't order the pay-per-view. It did that job, I think, to really set the tone and get viewer last-minute, you know, people that are on the fence say, man, this this could be something good, especially if they're maybe tuning in for the first time to AEW because of CM Punk. So seeing, you know, these 10 men, um, especially when you see Drax, Jurassic Express of Jungle Boy, luchasaurus and you see another two guys who are young up-and-comers that people love private party with part of the uh the hardy family office i think excited them the one thing i'll say that was really cool is when the butcher made his return it was on where i was sitting um at all out it's like he literally walked past me and you just see like this giant bearer man just like walking with security waiting to get in because and I got a chance to meet him, uh, you know, at the fan fest. But I mean, him in full gear is just I and I'm a big fan of Butcher. My, you know, my co-host, the Trigger Treater podcast, Kyle is a big fan. He loves the Butcher. I just love the way he looks. Very gangs in New York, you know, nostalgic look for me. And I just love everything about him. So that was cool to experience that. Yeah, big. Uh, this was an all star game. This was like, uh, 
you know, when, when you got the All-Star game, they have, like, the Young Futures game. I know Matt Hardy was in the match. Don't get me wrong. But still, that's just seeing what it was. It was just, like, everybody getting their crap in. It was a fun, exciting match. And then you had to run in, and it just seemed like so everybody could get on the pay-per-view of, like, pretty much the backstage faces that were there all ran out to the ring. I just thought it was a cool moment because because of – some of the big names coming, there's going to be a lot less TV time for everybody going around. So you're going to have to do creative, find creative ways to get everybody involved. I thought this match was that. Yeah. And then the last thing they had on the buy-in before we got anything was we had American top teams, very own Dan cam, Dan Lambert. Uh, he was in a skybox with, uh, junior dos Santos again. And Andrea Arlovsky, and uh, Jorge Mas- Masvidal, and then he had the men of the year, Scorpio Sky, all ego, Ethan Page by his side. They were running their mouths, basically getting heat. They were up in this box. It was a way to get them on the show, too. It was really cool to see them. Um, it's a shame that um, they didn't have anything other than that going for them, but I think they're really just laying the groundwork for them to really solidify them three as a unit, and then that's when we'll really get to see them do a lot more. Uh and with the way that the tag team division is going right now and with uh, how that's going, I can see them challenging for championships. Uh, not not soon, not recently, but like I can see them like uh, about like a month, month or two down the line. I could probably see them showing up to try to challenge for the titles. But that was the buy in, though. So anything else you guys want to say on the buy in before we just get right into the show? No, I'm ready to jump right into it. Yeah. All right. I will just set us up and start off with All Out, which kicked off with the AEW TNT Championship match between the Redeemer, Miro, and Mad King, Eddie Kingston, who you can redeem these nuts. That's one of the things that we were upset that we missed out not talking about uh, doing an episode on uh, Dynamite and Rampage, which is the fact that we just couldn't, we couldn't talk about the redeem these nuts line because, oh my god. I love Eddie so much. And like the crowd loved Eddie so much too. Like that's a guy right there, dude. Like to get the crowd hype, you send Eddie out there. People love Eddie so much. And I, I truly like hope he gets a championship soon because Eddie is just one of those guys that like people latch onto because he just, you see him and you see the way he acts. It doesn't seem like he's playing a character. It seems like he's just going out there and doing whatever the fuck he wants. And it's really, really cool. Miro's incredible still. This match was really good. People I know were thinking that this was going to be a little bit more of like a them brawling through the crowd and stuff like that. And then just like, like it just kind of devolving into a little bit of a street fight. But um, instead it was like a really good, like just like a showing of like Eddie taking so much brutal damage from Miro, but still, just sticking it to him and being like, Nope, I'm not, I'm not quitting right now. And he was one of the few people that get to the ropes, uh, to try to get out of the game over from Miro. And Miro was completely shocked when that happened. Uh, regardless of that though, because of goddamn Bryce Rensburg, because of Bryce, he just couldn't, he couldn't get the referee to pay attention because he was too busy with that goddamn turnbuckle pad. And he wasn't in position for the pinfall for Eddie. Fans were so mad at Bryce. I swear they were gonna like be like, 
look, we know you called that blind man, blind man, that invisible man versus invisible stand match, but you know what? We hate you right now. Um, so because of that, Miro was able to come back and nail like a vicious bicycle kick and just beat the shit out of him, get the pin, redeem the, redeem the TNT championship and continue to be champion. And yeah, hell of an opener. I, I was sad that Miro continued because yeah, Eddie would have been a great champion, but you know what? Miro's just way too good. I understand it. And it's, it was a hell of an opener still, but JR, your thoughts on the TNT title match. I enjoyed it a lot because I'm a big fan of both Miro and Eddie Kingston. Uh, Eddie Kingston has a gift of gab. And especially when that line, when he dropped it, I believe it was a rampage. I mean, the crowd went ballistic. Like they, I mean, they popped so much for it. And just two guys, everything about it, it's it, they're gonna lay their shit in. It's gonna be snug. It's gonna be stiff. And it's something that you're gonna watch. You know, two big men slapped meat. And I, I mean, Eddie, as you mentioned, would have been a great champion. But Miro, this is what we've been waiting for. I've, I've know I've said this before, but you know, seeing this dominant champion, the redeemer. Um, becoming a monster hill and in some ways not right now but you could see maybe around this time next year he would be a monster hero challenging for the AEW world championship yeah um match was great uh if i had to put it on my list it would be my third favorite match of the show um the show was just show was loaded but you know when you get to my style of I, I love when people are just beating the crap out of each other. And there was a clear plan. Eddie Kingston. Sorry, I'm sneezing. I, I, it's so weird. Uh, Eddie Kingston had a clear plan of attack. Uh, Miro's weakness is his neck, and he was going to go after his neck. And he did. And Miro fought through it and, you know, did something dastardly to keep the championship. But it's like. Man, Eddie Kingston was so over, like, halfway through the match. I was like, call the audible. Because I felt like Miro was going to win. But I was like, call the audible. God, that would be a great way to start the show is with Eddie Kingston winning. But I do like what they're doing with Miro. I, I, I know this company is really, really good at building up these moments, but you can't have them on every show. And what's the, what was the come? It, made, it was a good idea not being on the show, uh, being thrown in. Uh, there's actually a part in this match where I believe – there's a apron throw in between Miro and Ada Kingston, and I believe you might have been able to see one of your favorite hosts from this show on there in his AEW mask, big and African American. Uh, but yes, I was told <laughs> I was told by my wife I was on the show quite a bit. But yeah, uh, so look out for me. I'm wearing a thunder red Thunder Rosa shirt. So, uh, but you, you can't miss him. You yeah, can't miss it, him. no. But it was a really awesome moment. This, like I said, very very fun match. Very fun match. Uh, and I want to shout out my boy Caleb because I called Caleb like one of the king of D's because he loves the D's joke. That's like his favorite joke in the world, and it's terrible. But the fact that Eddie Kingston made it cool in one attempt. Something he's been trying to make cool for like two years. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there for him. Yeah, well, Eddie Kingston can make it cool whenever he cuts a promo on like candy or cookies or something like that. So we know he can make pretty much anything cool. After this opening match, we moved on to John Moxley taking on Yoshi Kojima off of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He wanted to kill this old man. And honestly, the old man wanted to kill John Moxley. So they just decided we're both going to try to kill each other. And these guys. 
did a nice little blend of uh, John Moxley style of like kind of just vicious garbage style wrestling and the vicious strong style of wrestling you see from New Japan and with guys like Kojima and his whole run that this whole run that's been going on with uh, Moxley just facing off against people from New Japan and he's just kind of been like the guy who's standing on the other side of the forbidden door and just like I'm gonna punch whoever comes through this door is just really really cool. I don't know what I don't know what Moxley did to the country of Japan, but he's just done something wrong. This was a lot of fun. Getting to see Kojima live is just something that I can like. It's one of those things like mark that off your bucket list. I never thought I would see Go- Kojima live, so I'm I'm crazy happy about that. Uh, Moxley though was able to kill the old man, and they beat the living shit out of each other. But he still got the win, and uh, it was a lot of fun. But can we? Uh, I was like, can we talk about the match just for a second before we talk about it afterwards? Because I fucking yeah, freaked yeah, yeah. out Go afterwards. Ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, uh, match, fucking uh, Kojima. Oh my god, uh, he coming into a match cold. I mean, he still got cheered, but nobody like knew who he was for the most part. And he comes in, old man, you know. And he puts on a hell of a performance. I'm just like, dude, Kojima just put on an amazing performance. Um, I thought Mox was Mox. Mox is the Heimdall of the uh, Heimdall of the uh, <laughs> AEW. He is the gatekeeper. And you're like some people, they you like a, a person falls into the role, and you're like, oh, okay, so they're the they're the gatekeeper, you know, they fell in the role. No, he calls him, he's like, he's basically describing it without saying it. He's like, dude, you come through that, I dare you to come through that forbidden door because to come through that forbidden door, you got to talk to the gatekeeper, John Moxley, and you're going to be in for a fight. Kojima couldn't get through. Uh, it was, I just thought this match was amazing. This is probably my second favorite match of the card. And uh, JR, your thoughts on the match before we talk about the moment um i really have a lot to add the one thing i will say is that i think in the beginning a lot of people were let's say disappointed um because there was an assumption or rumor i think probably closer to assumption that tanahashi was going to go against moxley at all out um as for those who may not be aware um new japan had a big uh, stadium show called I believe it was called Grand Slam and Tanahashi it was the exact same two days as AEW all out he defended his the United States Championship against uh, Kota Ibushi and that that's I believe why we got Kojima and as the match went on Kojima started getting a lot of cheers more as the match continued to progress I thought that was really cool that the fans showed respect because I think that disappointment that some fans may have had uh, went away as they saw how great the match was, was becoming as they were watching it live. Yeah, and Kojima really did do a hell of a job. Because, again, like while a lot of people are familiar with New Japan, a lot of people may not be familiar with a guy like Kojima that's just I mean, been there for the longest time. He's a New Japan dad, you know, even yeah, there... No, He's not really like in title pictures or booked high, so you you really kind of got to be a New Japan guy to really get you know Kojima. 
Uh, shout out to Jeremy. He's the head of the bread club, you know, the, which is Kojima's fans because Kojima likes bread. And, you know, he's yes. the strongest arm. So he always has a hell of a lariat. And it's just like, but th- there was a person next to behind me just like asking who it was. And, and we're, you know, it was just like trying to explain it to him. Just like, I'm like, with no reference, I just like, he's a kick-ass wrestler. I mean, that's what he is. Yeah, I was I was ashamed that we didn't get any bread though. I would have liked some bread, like just any any kind anywhere that they could have gotten it. I would have loved that. But regardless, after the match, after Moxley beat Kojima, Minoru fucking Suzuki showed up. I God, I haven't seen. I haven't like last time I saw Minoru Suzuki was at G One Supercard at MSG. And that was still wild to see him there. But, dude, what? Like, now Suzuki's walked through the forbidden door and they just started beating the shit out of each other after the match. Like, Moxley just finished the match. I especially loved when he took a shot from from uh, Suzuki and then proceeded to bow and then punch him in the face. I was just like, oh, my God. So... That was the first major shock. Well, second major shock, including like uh, the return of Butcher. Uh, that was one of the second shocks. Was the fact that Minoru Suzuki is now coming through the Forbidden Door to have a go at Moxley, which is just—I don't even know. Like, it's just crazy. How many people are gonna get pissed off at Moxley from Japan, dude? I'm like, seriously, it's literally gonna come down to Tanahashi. I feel like it's like. If it if it just keeps going down the line and then like Tanahashi is like one of the last ones, like this will be one of the craziest storylines like in AEW just because of Moxley dealing with all of these new Japan guys. It's it's freaking wild. But JR, I mean like Minoru Suzuki's here. Your thoughts? Um Minoru Suzuki is a talent that shows that Haas is not just a body size, it's a state of mind. Because that dude could slap a lot of meat in um, for his size and is one of the most dangerous men that I've ever seen in the ring. And that whole after-the-match spot with, with Moxley was insane. And I think it was uh, it was interesting because I think some people, they just saw the king as it came up, and they thought it may have been Nick Gage. And then when they heard the, the song started playing and then the, the graphic for Minoru Suzuki... I mean, that crowd went apeshit. It was, I mean, it, this going back, this is like every single, like, we went through, the, this is like the third match we saw live, um, the second on pay-per-view, and it just kept building. It was just like, how are they going to top this? It was ridiculous. I mean, and I can't wait to see them in the ring together. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. Floyd. Dude, um... Out of all the debuts of this night, this was my favorite. Um, all right. Um, Minoru Suzuki uh, like has always been like like my favorite New Japan wrestler. I just love his style. I love his intensity. The first time I ever watched a New Japan show, I believe it was Minoru uh, Suzuki and Hiroshi Goto and. A uh, hair match, and they just beat the living crap out of each other. I didn't even know what a never open style was, but immediately in that match, 
I got it. It was just such physical. And he was like, and it was just so like his facial expressions, his hair, everything. And then after the match, he lost. And he wouldn't let them disrespect him by shaving his head. He literally took the clippers and shaved his own head and then walked off. And I just thought that was the most badass moment. He came out looking more like a badass after the loss than it. So in this moment, when I saw King, I, in my seat, in the aisle, going fucking nuts just saying let's go because i knew exactly who it was when i saw king i know who the king is and yeah the music hits everybody's singing and then you hear and everybody hits it and it was just like god i love being a fan of AEW. god i love being in that building because I don't know where else that happens. I don't know where else that energy happens. I'm not talking about, of course, New Japan. It always happens. But I'm just saying, outside of New Japan, I don't know where that happens on that level. Like, dude's yelling. And, like, dude is yelling, like, like losing his voice. And he says, I have no idea who this guy is, but I love his energy. And that's all I have to say about, like, That's that's Minoru Suzuki. He says, I have no idea who this is. But I love his energy. So I got to kind of quickly try to sum up a 30-year wrestling career in like four (laughs) sentences so the dude could understand who Minoru Suzuki is. And I'm just like, God, this moment was so great. I mean, I, I, I immensely enjoyed this show. But for me personally, as a huge Minoru Suzuki fan, this was like my favorite debut of the show. Understandable, dude. Like, I mean, like, no one, no one saw that coming. No one in their right mind thought, "Oh, Minoru Suzuki's gonna show up." Like, people were there were whispers about all the other returns going around, and like, even before the person returned, people were chanting for the per- that person, or they had signs made already for it. No one had any idea Suzuki was gonna be here. That's that alone. I can understand. Like, that alone could sell it of being like. Hey, that was the debut or the or the shock of the night. I understand that, but that's number three right now. We had three, and there would be more to come. Uh, but we'll continue down the line with the AEW Women's World Title match between Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Chris Statlander with Orange Cassidy. This was the one of the matches that I think really helped solidify Dr. Britt Baker's title run because. Her first rain, her first defense uh, against Nyla wasn't too hot. Her next defense was better, but this one I feel like was a was a truly strong, good defense. I especially loved on the outside when Orange Cassidy was there hyping up, uh, being the manager for uh, Chris. How he got so energetic trying to will Chris back into into the ring. And I love the fact that the first time we actually see him, like, like not, 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 not the first time we see him, like, give a shit, because, like, when he, we've seen him try before, of course. But the first time we see him actively, like, energetic and, like, passionate and, like, screaming is when he's willing on one of his friends. I think that's really cool. And Chris and Britt really went at each other. That superplex Chris hit on a Brit scared the shit out of me because I was like, I, I thought it was going to go really badly. Uh, it didn't. Um, I loved uh, the the moves that they did of, from the lockjaw, from uh, Chris Paul getting out of it. Uh, 
Baker was able to get uh, the lockjaw on, uh, however, after she picked up the, after she hit the curb stomp. Also, fucking did a little shout out to fucking uh, her boyfriend, who we'll talk about later. Uh, with that, I can't remember the name of the movie. Uh, you know, it's, it's called the, the Pittsburgh Sunrise. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what she called it. Uh, that's what uh, Excel recalled it, but of course we all know it is the Panama Sunrise. Panama and, Sunrise, yes. And it is it was amazing. We pulled it out, and my friend was like, my friend was like, that's the sign that she's signing. I'm like, but she's done the move before. Oh, well, she still signed. I was like, hey, he still signed. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, technically correct. <laughs> technically, no, it's just, uh, you know, it was, it was just a crazy match. I thought this was Brits. This was Brits. This was the championship defense Brit needed. I, I, I have no problem with Red Velvet. I just don't think it turned out the way. I don't like. I didn't really like the Nyla match. I mean, they but this was the match where she had a challenger. It was competitive. They put on a really, really good match. I think this one solidified Brit's uh, title reign. No question about it. That's my that's my thoughts as well. Jr. Going to you. The Panama, the Pittsburgh Sunrise slash Panama Sunrise. The crowd lost it when that happened. Um, this is a match that. I, I know what I'm going to say this real quickly. I think as people listen to this, you're going to be like, oh my God, they're just like, they're acting like stands. But I don't think people realize unless they saw this pay per view how amazing every match was. And this is a match that I've been waiting for Britt Baker to have where I felt that her and an opponent can go out there and potentially steal the show. Um, and. I think Chris Statlander was the right opponent because of what she can do. I believe compliments Burt Baker uh, very well. And it was a very fun, exciting match. I love both these women. I think Chris Statlander had such a great look. When she came out to the ring, I was like, you know, the first thing I thought in my mind um, was this woman's division is in an entirely different place than where it was last year, and definitely where it was the year before. There's so many women that are great women that they have um, that are coming into their own that could literally steal the night on any given day. And this was, I I really enjoyed this match. Um, I knew what the outcome was going to be because, you know, you're not going to deter Britt Baker, but that doesn't mean there was some moments where it was like, man, Chris was bringing it in. You know, for Baker, I pull out the big guns in order to put her away. Yeah, and I, I, I will also say, too, going off of uh, JR saying if you, we're, we're astounding like stands. If you're coming here for a critical, in-depth like analysis of every match in the entire pay-per-view, you're probably not going to get that from us. We're just gushing, all right? If, if you're not a fan of that, I can't, like, bro, I lost my voice over this show. You're not going to get something like down the middle like oh let's be analytical about this shit no no this was the night that my wrestling fandom just exploded that's that simple but (laughs) moving on from that small backstage segment with andrade which unfortunate that we weren't able to see andrade pack it will be on rampage this friday coming up so we still have that to look forward to but think about that this is a show though where that's that 
honestly could have possibly been a contender for match of the night in Andrade versus Pac. Like those guys could have torn the house down on this show. We didn't get that match. It's still one of the best pay-per-views they've ever put on. The best pay-per-view they put on. And I, I, match change on the fly that they couldn't put on, and it still didn't matter. And it's going to be weird for me to say, I think that was it's actually for the best. It ended up being a blessing in disguise because that ma- I don't care if that match was a six-star classic. It would have got overshadowed about everything else that happened. Yes. It's just so the fact that it's going to get its own spotlight later is good. No question about it. And it's going to be a crazy match anyway. Yeah. Then. I mean, just, I just for the record, I disagree because I would want to see it live. But that's the only reason why. But continue. Because we're, we're jealous and we because we're selfish, jealous people and we want to see the match live. Oh, no. I mean, Floyd would tell you I want I want the whole I want a 10 layer cake. I just don't want I don't want like. You know, at the end of the day, this was the greatest pay per view. It's still, I'm greedy asshole. I want everything. Yes. No question. Then I don't think this is any real debate, but match of the night was next, and it was the AEW World Tag Team Title match held inside a steel cage between the Lucha Bros, the Young Bucks. These guys have been going at each other since the inception of AEW. Every match they've had has been incredible. This was no exception. These guys tore the house down. This is my candidate for match of the year right now. It's that simple. Match of the night and match of the year. These guys did amazing. The fucking thumbtacks on the J1s was incredible. I love that. They're, it, Matt was being so coy with the whole thing. Penta getting in front of Phoenix and being like, don't you do that. Showing Truly showing zero fear by standing in front taking that shot from the thumbtack-ridden shoes to the face to, just to make sure his brother brother wouldn't get it, even though he did later. But regardless, he still made the sacrifice. It was a really great moment. We saw Phoenix fly, legit fly off of that cell. And unbelievably deserved, and what a fucking pop it was. The Lucha Bros became your new AEW Tag Team Champions. I'm so glad because these guys have been here since day one. They have been long overdue for a championship, whether it be they should have been or tag. They should have been the first tag team champions. I mean, I, and I will. That's I will. I will disagree with that just because I love SCU. I mean, I, really I, feel, I, I, I love I'll, SCU. I love SCU, but at the time there was, it should have to me. I'm not saying their reign was bad or anything, but it should have been the Young Bucks or, you know, or the Lucha Bros. Honestly, I I thought it should be the Lucha Bros. I I don't the Young Bucks or I thought that whole private party thing did so much to teach fans in the audience not to expect the expected in uh, AEW. So I thought that was important, but I was like the Lucha Bros should have won the titles, but. And so, to me, this title reign is like two years. Should have happened two years ago. You know what I mean? So I. But at the same time, though, like just the the pop was just elation of them getting the titles because they we knew they had to be champions at some point. Yes. And then when we got it, it was it was just elation. Yeah. See, and I'm glad they're in the tag team division because they don't have to lose the Cody anymore and get all Jr. all up in a uh, <laughs> Jr. All, all up in a tizzy. 
when they have to lose yeah. lose to the face of the company. Yeah, so you can't, I, you just can't beat the face unless uh, it's your Malachi Black. Ah, uh, you can't beat the face unless you're Malachi Black. I, I get it. I get it. Cody's coming back. He's gonna get his revenge. But uh, yeah, uh, this is tag team cage match because I I don't want to compare it compare it to a single a tag team match with regular rules. I don't want to compare it to a different match because you're painting with a different brothers. This is the first time I've seen these two in a cage. Uh, these uh, these four in a cage. Best tag team cage match I've ever seen. Uh, I I will say this up until like last night. So 24 hours ago, I would have said it was uh, the Usos versus New Day Hell in the Cell. I just think this match was on like three levels higher than that. I'm like three quarters of the way through the match and like five stars. I'm like, this is a perfect match. I mean, this is a perfect match. And it blew me away. The Canadian Destroyer from the top ropes or... That was amazing. Uh, the kicking the uh, people with the thumbtacks and the boots, the spot from the top of the cage. It's just everything. The BT trigger. It was just everything that it needed to be in this match. I, I mean, seriously, I, I have no notes. If they's like, Floyd, $1,000, tell me something that was wrong with this match. I'm like, I mean, it didn't last long enough. I don't know because I didn't want it to ever end. And it was the greatest tag match I ever saw. And JR got to experience this one from the second row. So I am very, very interested in his thoughts. Um, well, first thing, let's real quickly shout out to Mikey Ruckus and that amazing entrance that Lucha Bros had. It Hell was, yeah. it really. It made you feel that you were you should expect something big. Um, the what seeing this, I've I'm trying to stammer. I'm stammering my words. I apologize. You know, I've been fortunate enough to where I've experienced a lot of cool stuff. Like I graduated from college twice. I've been to WrestleMania, went to Double or Nothing, been to UFC fights. There's this is probably the top five greatest things I've ever got a chance to experience. Um, you know, with me graduating college, getting married, seeing, you know, a very, you know, UFC and Madison Square Garden, WrestleMania, and this match, because being, I mean, Floyd's at second row, but we're, and shout out to Floyd, because Floyd was gracious enough to switch me seats, because I was in the seventh row. Um and seeing this match where, while it was a second row, but how close we were, I mean, I was on the guardrail next to Tiffany through this entire match, and my legs were literally, like, shaking with excitement, and I could feel, like, the neck on the back, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, like, as, you know, this match was happening. I, I feel like I've always been critical of the Young Bucks and been, like, you know, I just think they're kind of, like, just high spots, but watching this match as closely as I did, I gained a newfound respect for the Young Bucks, um, and I don't. There's nothing you can convince me that this match could be better. I, as what Floyd said, is that this was a, I believe, a perfect match. The storytelling they put in there, I mean, then adding in the fact how the Young Bucks dastardly was ripping out the masks of 
both Penta and Ray Phoenix, which is something that you see in high stakes, big rivalry, Lucha Libre matches in Mexico. Um, it's a very dastardly, despicable thing to do. And um, it was, you know, added to the storytelling. I think they had great storytelling throughout this match because there was moments where you thought Young Bucks were going to win. There was moments you thought Lucha Bros were going to win. And that final sequence was just amazing. And when they won, I just let out the loudest pops. And I just can't thank Floyd enough for letting me experience that because it was such a tremendous thing. And I was decked with my Sierra Romero Mexico hat and my you know, pants a shirt and I was I was just over the moon so pumped to see it live and um like I said that was probably one of my favorite I mean because of how close I was and how you know seeing it live is it's my favorite tag team match I think of all time. Uh, it's gonna be tough for me to decide whether I like this better than the Escalera de la Muertes match that was at all out back in twenty nineteen. Uh it'll be tough for me because I think I'll go back and forth on it, but at least at this point right now this is my favorite match I've seen. Uh, well, I think this is the best match I've seen in AEW, I think. Like, in terms of just, like, technicality and just the all the moves and the moment of the Lucha Bros winning the titles, I would probably say this one would just slightly out-nudge the... Uh, the Escalera de la Muertes match, and then Cody Dustin would be like a, a very close third, I would say. Um, but yeah, the disrespect that, is real in this room. The disrespect. I is am real. sorry, bro. I'm sorry. I like. I like. I like. I, I can't get over the Canadian destroyer off of a ladder through a table. Table. It's just. It's. I love Dustin and Cody. They can't do that. I love Dustin and Cody. And I. That's why. I, that's why I always say. And, and and I completely understand what you're saying. I I would never compare the two, because no, I get it. Yeah, you, it's, you're, it's you're, impossible. You're painting with two different brushes. It's just like it's like. Uh, but no, I mean, like I said, I don't use this very often. I don't say a match is perfect very often. I'm not super critical of wrestling, but I always can think of a way it could have been better. I can't think of a way this match could have been better, and that's the biggest piece of respect that I can ever give to either team. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. And moving on from that is the Women's Casino Battle Royale. Winner gets a future Women's World title match against Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. So we'll just I'll just quickly go down the list of everybody that was in the match since we're not going to be able to cover everything. Abaddon, Anna Jay, Big Swole, Diamante, Emi Sakura, Hikaru Shida, Jade Cargill, Jamie Hayter, Kira Hogan, Kylan King, Layla Hirsch, Nyla Rose, Penelope Ford, Rebel, Red Velvet, Riho, Sky Blue, Tay Conti, The Bunny, and Thunder Rosa, and then The Joker. And first off, Sky Blue got kind of fucked over, if I do say so myself. She got fixed instantaneously. Uh, I wanted to see a little bit more of her. Kind of bummer that she got knocked out immediately, but it was instant heat, though, from the moment she got knocked out. Um, the, this this was a lot of fun. Battle Royals are normally always fun. Um, but, I mean, the only thing uh, people are really talking about is who the Joker was. Um, and I, I don't think it's... I think we could just jump right to that. The, the Joker was Ruby Soho. And that was freaking awesome. Because... I mean, like, Rube, the Riot Squad, while they didn't do much, the look of that faction, I loved, like, their style. I, I really 
really liked Ruby Riot. I thought she just had so much. I felt like she just had so much that she could have had going for her. And when I saw her and Liv, I think it was, yeah, her and Liv, when they were at Mani- the most recent WrestleMania, when they were at Mania 37, I think it was. Yeah, 37. When they were at Mania 37, I swore they would have been the team, since they were legitimately one of the only actual women's tag teams that had been established for a long time, I thought they would have had the, been the best shots to like go for the titles on night two. And then they weren't. And I was just confused. And honestly, it's like, Seeing her in AEW, she was one of the girls when, like, because the women's roster is good, still could you still there still is like plenty of room though for girls that have recently been released by WWE to be brought in. And I'm glad she was one of them because she's just got such a great look. And the the, the final three ended up being Nyla Rose, uh, my pick to win the whole thing, Thunder Rosa. Ruby Soho. So while I hate Ruby for eliminating Thunder Rosa and screwing over my prediction, I'm still very happy for her. Um, seeing her just scream, hi Bryce, and just hug him immediately after winning the match, like that that warmed my heart so much because like if you just see Ruby in just like stuff that she's done, like she just seems like the most like kind soul. Like I just I don't she just seems so amazingly cool and nice and like i'm so happy she's in AEW, and i think a match between her and brit is going to be great i really do but jr thoughts on the battle royal um the only thing i will say is real quick shout out to ruby soho because not just her debut but the way that she treated her like debut back into wrestling after being released with the vignettes that she was putting out there was tremendous because it built up so much anticipation to see where she was going and when she debuted tonight at as we're recording at all out i mean that crowd was so engaged and into it and was singing along to that song ruby soho and then even once like the, the music ended they still continued on for like another few seconds I'm not against her winning per se. I just didn't like the ending because I felt that you put two fan favorites against each other where one person eliminating the other would create some heat. I think it would have been better, for example, if you were going to have Ruby Soho win, that it was down to basically her, Rebel, and Jamie Hayter. And you know, she gets like the big baby face win by eliminating them as the last two for her to win. Um, that's what I would have done differently. Um, I just wouldn't have had Thunder versus Ruby as the final two because I just felt that it was not necessary to have these two baby faces who are so over go after each other um, that way. But I don't think it hurt uh, Thunder Rosa, though. I think I think people were like, no. either of these would be fine. I don't think it hurt Thunder Rosa. By her being eliminated, it didn't hurt her. I think what it would have been is that I think for a few fans who wanted her to win may have been soured on Ruby and vice versa. If Thunder would have eliminated Ruby, I think even more people would have soured on Thunder being, you know, they wouldn't because they wanted Ruby to win. So by having a baby face, let's say Ruby, for example, be the final one against like Jamie and Rebel, 
it it would have that would have made more sense. Okay, I can kind of see that. Well, as the man in the second row wearing the Thunder Rosa shirt was not very happy with the results. <laughs> no, no, but uh, I completely understood it. Uh, Thunder Rosa Britt Baker is a pay per view main event match. I mean, it's a big match. It's a big match, and you have to build it. If Thunder Rosa wins here, I don't think you can hold up off off on her title shots a full gear. If so, it it actually made sense for Ruby Soho to win it because I could see the title. Uh, I could see them doing the defense at the New York show on the twenty second, which is basically going to be like a mini pay per view. So uh, I could see it because it's the big one at Arthur asked. So I could see them doing it there. Um, but yeah, shout out to Ruby Soho. You know, she had a long road to get where she was. And it looks like that pop, that pop when she came out. I literally have no idea what the song is or was about. Or everybody was singing along and I'm just looking. I'm like, so this is a popular song? Oh, okay. <laughs> no. I, dude, dude. Rancid could have been right next to me in the next row and I wouldn't have known who the hell they were. Just saying. I mean, yeah, I could have been I, sitting by I could have been sitting by Rancid all night. I'd like I literally didn't it, it was just the band that some people that I knew occasionally brought up. So the fact that this was a popular song, cool. Nah. I knew I knew Ran- I knew Rancid from the f- the first time I heard of Rancid was when I watched the CM Punk Best in the World documentary because <laughs> I was like, oh, that's the lead singer from Rancid. Cool, he's friends with CM Punk. Cool. Yeah, first time I heard of Rancid was a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, when I heard that sh- there was a song called Ruby Soho by Rancid. That was it. That was like uh, I second that. That's when I heard of Rancid too. Uh-huh. And I will, but I will say I have the song saved on my Spotify now. Yeah, it's a good song. I, I heard. I mean, I saw the song. I was like, that's fine. Uh, but I just, I love that she got her moment. It, uh, it emotionally affected her. You just saw it in her eyes, in her actions when she won, and she hugged Bryce Rimsberg, and like literally, literally tears in her eyes. Uh, she said in the after uh, press conference uh, at uh, Scrum that no one had ever chanted for her. And people were like, you know, she was in the riot squad. People had to chant, of course. But I'm saying they were chanting for her for 15 minutes before she even got out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I can understand the difference in what she meant there, that no one had chanted for her. People were looking forward to her. It, they wanted it to be her. Um, I heard chants for her. I heard chants for Tessa. Which was responded astoundedly with chance of no we don't which i think it's horrible and i think everybody that said that just doesn't get wrestling because tesla's a fucking amazing and i would take her on the roster any day of the week but that's just me i don't have any problem i'm a happy ruby solo game i think you know the women's roster i i I prefer ruby personally i I, I, I do agree tesla's not a bad not bad i prefer the former impact world champion Tessa Blanchard, no big deal, no big deal. First woman to win the Tech World title. Hey, we're not talking about that. But uh, no, yeah, I, I've, I'm just saying. I like I said, it's. I am one of those people that when people say the women's division can be better than AEW, I always my big thing is there was no Jericho in the women's division, 
right? So you have to go with as much talent and getting as much talent in there as you can. And I think it's great to have Ruby. If they can one day get Tessa, great. You know, bring in as much talent as you can, you know, and, you know, that's what the women's division needs. There's already a lot of great talent there. Don't get me wrong. I'm huge Thunder Rosa fan. Uh, so I, I definitely think there's always a talent there. But, you know, you can never have too much talent. You know, NFL teams are like, nope, we're not going to take Michael Vick. We already have too much talent. You know, you, you take the players, you take the best players. You know, having too much talent is not a problem. So I'm looking forward to what she does in the future now that she does have the guaranteed title shot. Uh, it's going to be amazing. I want to hear her address the AEW crowd because I don't know if she can promo. I, you know, I, I mean, she was on WWE. I thought she was fine. But, you know, with more of the creative freedom that AEW brings, I want to see this person that everybody was so excited about. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't really have much else to say, but, um, going off of what you said with Jericho, we have MJF versus Jericho, the final fight. If Jericho loses this match against MJF, he will never wrestle in AEW again. First thing that happens is we have a countdown and that alone was cool and as the countdown hits zero and the pyro hits M Jericho's last match and then MJF's music hits perfection so good he comes out in a king's robe he was on MJF was healing it up he'd reached his final form as like just going after and being the most obnoxious heel he possibly could be it was this was just like literally people who were being like oh mjf on a heel on twitter i was like no 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 you have not seen this man go super saiyan yet this was him going super saiyan as a heel such great stuff um jericho came out uh to uh billy gray from fozzy played jericho out to the ring played judas which on paper really cool in practice people couldn't keep time with him at all so like people singing along it was offbeat and no one knew where he was at and there was also a point where they re-sang the runaway line which doesn't repeat they it was supposed to go embraced by the darkness and continue onward so in practice it did not go as well as it was uh it, like it could have been like one of those entrances that's etched up there with just people singing it by themselves but it didn't work out as well. Regardless, they, yeah, I was just gonna say it. It was I, I just like you took a great moment, and I know what they were doing. I, I I feel like I know what they were doing. I'm not backstage. I feel like they were trying to build to the big moment. So if Jericho was to win, everybody singing it after the match, you know. So yeah, they they wanted the guitar, but it was like you needed like. People not most people are like trained musicians to do what you were kind of asking them to do at the beginning. Like literally, I would have sat next to Austin and waited for him to sing, because 
this is what Austin does. But I yes. I didn't know where in the song that they were. And I'm like, I'm glad we had mask on because people couldn't see me saying the wrong words. So <laughs> it was just one of those things that kind of deflated and everybody's like, we didn't get it. And then, yeah. So it was it was weird. It's just, and for me, it's one of my favorite parts of being an AEW fan is singing along to Judas. And at that time, you know, when he comes out, I didn't get it. So it did kind of leave me wanting a little bit. Yes, but regardless of that, though, um, unless, JR, you have anything you want to add to that, we can get to the match. Um, this was by far the worst match of the night. I mean, the referee's decision has to stay. It's final. And oh, they, they my screwed God. MJF out of a victory. It's ridiculous. I demand justice on behalf of MJF because that was a horrible shit show by those AEW referees. They should be ashamed of themselves. And I love MJF for trolling the crowd. And in fact, as the countdown was happening, and you can ask my good brother, uh, Alex, who was sitting next to me, I turned to look to him. I said, watch, it's MJF going to come out. And sure enough, when I said Jericho's last match, I lost it and laughed. And I'm so glad those, those horrendous fans couldn't sing Judas because that is a terrible song. Let's talk about the fit, the dusty finish that first happened. Jericho uh, is, well, first off, Wardlow tries to calm down and get involved in the match, but then Jake Hager stops him from doing that. The referee gets distracted, and while this is happening, MJF is over in the corner, and he grabs the baseball bat that Jericho brought down, hits Jericho with it when the ref's not looking, hits him with a Judas effect, pins him, and as he's counting to three... Jericho's foot hits the bottom rope. They ring the bell, and people are like, there's no fucking way they just did that. And people are beside themselves. However, a second referee that was there makes it, makes it a point that Jericho's foot was on the rope. They restart the match. Jericho then um, fights back. He gets put in the salt of the earth, but then gets breaks, breaks out of it, gets him in the walls, and then he taps out MJF, and he beats MJF in the final fight. Um, so yeah, uh, as we, we see now, J, uh, uh, JR thinks it's bullshit. I will go to Floyd for his thoughts. I completely agree because <laughs> I completely agree with JR and I'm not a heel. I'm just saying it doesn't make sense because it's not consistent with what we get from AEW. Like how many times has the young bucks cheated? Miro cheated early in the night. So is this the only match where there's... It wasn't, it wasn't a cheat, though. It was a missed call. Yeah, but I'm just saying, you got someone correcting a call, right? It's the idea of correcting a call and restarting a match. Why would you do this for this match and not other matches? You know what I mean? Just, well, have they had dusty finishes like this before consistently in AEW, though? No, it was and it was different. Don't get me wrong. But the first thing I said is... I don't, don't, it's like one of those, don't pull that thread. You know what I mean? I don't like this thread being pulled. Well, because you would have rather enjoyed, like, Jericho just retire, like, retiring because of a dusty finish. So that way, like, he didn't really lose. So then, like, it could kind of lead into him possibly coming back. Maybe, or just not do that part at all with the foot on the rope. 
you know? I, I, I honestly didn't have a problem yeah. with it. Uh, I, you know what? And there's going to be things, like with everyone, that, you know, some people are going to be like, that shouldn't have happened. And other people are like, ah, I'm okay with it. I thought it created a great moment. I really do. I really do believe it created a great moment because everybody thought Chris Jericho had to retire. And then they did the reverse. They did the dusty finish. It was awesome. I could see a certain son, grandson of a plumber having a, 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 you know, a little thoughts in this match because, you know, it was, of course, a dusty finish. But, yeah, I thought it was brilliant in the way of how it set it up because you had people, like, face, hands and face. I think they were, like, ready to cry. And then it didn't happen, and it's a pop when they reversed the oh, decision. Oh, it was crazy. So, you know, I'm sitting up here saying what I would have done, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I'm very open to the fact that I don't know shit because, obviously, it worked. Yeah, and, and regardless of the fact, though, MJF, though, got so much heel heat in that match. Like, I swear to God, he must just be, like, exploding backstage on in flames with how much heel heat he has. Um, it, this loss doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt MJF. And if and if Jericho still has more that he wants to do in AEW, that's awesome. I I'm all for Jericho continuing to do stuff in AEW. Um, and personally, I think Jericho's only okay on commentary, so I'm fine if he keeps wrestling. Uh, Jericho so, versus all, Jer- before- all the marks out there. Let the record reflect: MJF is still up three wins to one. Which okay <laughs> now. Now I got a question about this because this was very confusing to me and this is me pulling the thread. I'm sorry, but I have to ask people that I consider smarter than me, maybe. Why is it three to one? Oh, excuse me. Why was it three to nothing before? Because it seems like they counted the they counted war, war games as one, right? But yes. then Jericho's team, Jericho's team won Spring Stampede. So how was it three to zero? So the only thing I well, I I think it's actually two to one. But if I would say three, the only thing I can think of is that MJF got the win, like himself. He got the win in War Games or Blood and Guts, where Sammy Guevara pinned Sean Spears in Stadium Stampede. Mm-hmm. I just really uh, should be two to one because I'm just like when I look he at it. At full, yeah, he beat him at full. He beat him at full gear, and then he beat him at a uh, dynamite. So yeah, it should be like two to one. Yeah, yeah. That's all I was. That's all I was saying. It's just like I don't know how the team <laughs> match counts when they then lost another team match two weeks. Like at best, it would have been one to one if you wanted to count. Both of them, but like I said, I try not to overthink things. But it was just like <laughs> that was just such a glaring like. How does he get the count for this one and not the count for this one? I don't know. I just I had to ask. Had to ask. The it it, it wouldn't let me not ask. So I think though I think also the three zero is the same is the play of what Jericho did to Goldberg back in WCW. I mean yes. that's why they made it three. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It was just that announcers accepted it and didn't question it. That was my problem. That was my problem with it. It wasn't that MJF's a heel. 
He's supposed yeah, to so say you can, the, you can, yeah, you can call him out for lying. Yes, he's supposed to say stuff that's not true. The announcers who are supposed to be the kind of your voice of reason and face just was saying the same bullshit. How I'm like, no, I'm I'm supposed to trust you to be the impartial third party, and you really weren't. But whatever, whatever. Like I said, it's not a big deal. It's nitpicky as fuck. I mean, dude, no one should care about it. I shouldn't, but I do. It's just who I am. <laughs> All right. Well, regardless. Um, moving on. Um. I said the Steel Cage tag match, tag title match was the match of the night. This was my favorite match on the show. And it's for selfish reasons. Darby Allen versus, for the first time in seven years, CM Punk. Darby, Darby's video package before he came out was literally him jumping out of a helicopter. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's how he prepares for a match against CM Punk. He just jumps out of a fucking helicopter. Um, that was cool. But then CM Punk, it was finally, finally, it was clobbering time. And just the image of Darby sitting in the corner and Punk sitting with his legs crossed and them just staring at each other. I was getting chills and I'm continuing to lose my voice because I this this right here. Well, starting at the uh, really starting at the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks match, that's when I was really was like, oh, I'm probably going to lose my voice. And then onward, it was just kept going and going. This was the part where my voice was getting close to being gone. This, I think people could argue that like as the match started, maybe Punk was kind of like they people could have said that like, oh, he kind of a little bit like trying to get back into the swing of things, and then like as the match went on, like. He got back into it and stuff like that. Um, I I love the whole um, welcome back chance, and then uh, uh, he did the whole him or, or me, and he's like, okay, okay, that's what you meant. Um, same that he did in Money in the Bank 2011 against Cena when they were chanting at Cena, you can't wrestle, and he was like, me or him. Still one of my favorite matches of all time. Love that callback. These guys did so good darby allen like i truly think has shown himself to be one of the best in AEW. he's still one of my favorites like like top down from the ogs of AEW. he's still one of my favorites and punk looked so good he in my mind my fanboy like completely biased mind like i don't think he missed a fucking step and I, I was just in awe that after being a wrestling fan for 12 years and loving pro wrestling and being a fan of CM Punk and never getting to see him wrestle live and not seeing him in wrestling for so many years, seeing this, seeing him in there, just and then like after the match is over, just screaming, I'm back, motherfuckers. It was so good. Punk got the win. Um, shout out to the GTS to which Darby Allen immediately just rolled out of the ring instantaneously. That was such a good spot. And then Darby flies out of the ring and slams into him. Like Darby got thrown into the steel post again back first, which was insanity. This 
this probably wasn't match of the night, but for me personally, like this was match of the night because I didn't think I would see this again. I never in my wildest dreams thought this would ever happen again. Even in like a world where AEW was a place where wrestling could be revived and people could love wrestling and not see wrestling as a bad word. I still didn't think he would ever come back. And he, and he did, and he wrestled one of my favorites, and he killed it. And I'm just, I don't care what happens onward. Like, obviously, I hope Punk is used in a way that makes sense, and they don't, like, do anything stupid or anything like that. I have way more faith in AEW than I do any other wrestling company to make sure that Punk is done right, and they don't, like, screw with him, and they don't just do stuff that's, like, kind of, you didn't, you didn't need to do that. But even if it's not perfect from this point on, that match satisfies the seven-year wait and the 12 years of never seeing him wrestle live. It satisfied that all in one moment, and I, I can't gush about it. It's probably one of my favorite matches of all time, just because I never thought I would see it happen. And I, I'll, I would keep gushing over it, but I'm gonna, I'll throw it to JR, man. Thoughts on Punk and Darby? Seven years is a long time to be away from professional wrestling. And I think in any sort of athletic contest when you're away for that long, while in the small comparison I give from my experience, you know, in a different realm, it's one thing to do things in practice. It's another thing to do it in front of 10,000 people live on live on pay-per-view where hundreds of thousands of people are going to be watching. Um, and they went out there and they put their best foot forward and put on a great story. In, there were some elements I look at, and in some ways it was very reminiscent of Rock Cena 1 to me, especially where Darby, you know, mocked CM Punk with the, you know, the go to sleep, you know, hand gesture, which to me was similar to when the Rock did when Cena did it to the Rock where he was gonna fake that he was gonna go for the people's elbow and end up costing the Rock, you know, John Cena in the match. That's what happened to Darby, you know, by mocking CM Punk. I thought it was brilliant. It was kind of generations collide, you know, a and CM Punk said it, I see I see me and you. And it was a fun match to watch. They both brought their A game and the question becomes, what do you do next? And I'm <coughs> very excited to see what they do next for both of them because it didn't hurt Darby, especially with the way it ended, because I think Darby put on a performance and some people could say, hey, if maybe if he didn't do what he did, maybe he would have won beat CM Punk. So it made it brought his star up another level because I can tell you this. I like Darby. I like him a lot more now after seeing that match with CM Punk and seeing CM Punk perform the way he did. I'm just, I don't know what you do with him because that dude's a star in a main event attraction on any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Well, uh, I feel quite similar to Austin in this way. Um, um, for me, my whole thing was uh, I wanted my WrestleMania moment with Punk. That was big for me. 
I I literally went back to WrestleMania something after 1920 I'd always planned to do, but I never got to do it because I went back to 30 for Punk. That was the reason I bought the tickets. That was the reason I reserved the rooms and, you know, all the stuff that goes along with WrestleMania. I went back for Punk. I was hoping to meet him at uh, Never Met Him. I was hoping to meet him at um, Access, you know. It was it was everything was about punk at that time. Uh, like, you know, I'm a Cody fan. CM Punk was the guy before Cody, you know, and this was my, I got my WrestleMania moment. I, I was in the building when he won his first world title. It was great. I was in the 100s. It was great, but I wanted to just be in a moment that, you know, no one will ever forget. And last dance first row, great moment but i was in second yeah, row. first dance yeah yeah first dance or whatever uh this one i was in the second row and i got to see him come out in chicago in the new year and you know the match was really good i would not call it great i would not call it fantastic but it was really good i think darby did a lot and darby's an amazing wrestler and he did a lot uh, for CM Punk, and I think about halfway through, his legs got under him, and you saw more. He was a little tired, but shit, he hadn't wrestled in seven years. And every professional wrestler tell you the only way to get in wrestling shape is to do what? Wrestle. So he wrestled Darby Allen, and they had a great match. And I got to see the GTS not once, but twice. And I saw, I got to see him do the one, two, three. And I got to see the, all the reasons I loved him. It, I didn't love CM Punk because he did all the most amazing moves. It was just his expression his, and his talking and his character work in the ring just just made me love who the, who the man was. And I got to see all of that. And I got to see it up close uh, with a phone in my hand, taking pictures of everything that I could. And it was just an amazing moment. Uh, was it my favorite quote unquote match of the night? No, but it'll be one of my favorite moments in events as long as I watch wrestling. And I just thank them both for putting it on. I thank Sting for what he added to it with shaking Punk's hand after the match. I just think all together, this was just so amazing. Yeah, we saw three generations of wrestling in that ring all at once. Like, it's just wild to think of like sting punk darby like that's nuts and again like just putting this in perspective too this is a show where cm punk wrestled for the first time in seven years and he wasn't the most talked about thing on the show that alone is a statement of what this show was and we're gonna get to that very shortly but real quick we had Paul White and QT Marshall. I love Paul. It was so good to see him back. QT's that, a really good heel, and people in the crowd loved him too. Like I saw a, a good set amount of the, of a section near me that was all QT all every day. I saw QT cosplay. Um, there are people that really like QT, and he does a good work job. This was a three minute match. It was a hundred percent a breather because we had literally gotten uh, a combination of Ruby Soho coming. MJF losing to Jericho, and then Sting, CM Punk and Darby fighting. We needed a bit of a breather, and 
the breather was QT and Paul White. So thank you, QT and Paul, for giving us a little bit of a breather. Y'all did what you needed to do. I have no complaints about this whatsoever. It did what it had to do. It got out of the way. And I we saw Paul White get in the ring, which is fucking awesome. I'm glad to see him do that. And they didn't overstay the, their welcome. It was good to see. JR, your thoughts? Three minutes and ten seconds of a cooler so we can get ready for the main event. That's my only thoughts. Thank you, Paul White. Thank you, Q2. There you go. Uh, I completely agree. That's it. Okay. Right. <laughs> Let's get to the other shit. <laughs> Let's just get into it. AEW World Title Match versus the Impact World Champion, Christian Cage. Christian got one up on, on, on uh, Kenny Omega at Rampage. So we were going to see if he could do it again, if he could take another belt off of Kenny Omega. These guys called back a lot to their Rampage match. Um, but they continued to add on it a little bit, and the Rampage match was already great. This was a hell of a main event. Great way to cap off the show. These guys went back and forth. Ken, I really loved uh, the tease of trying to hit the one-winged angel through the table that was on the outside. I thought that was great. Um, Kenny having the referee distracted and then taking a table, putting it on top of Christian and stomping on it was great. These guys did really, really well. Um, and yeah, Kenny Omega got the win, retained the, the uh, AEW championship. Uh, and yeah, Christian did great. I'm glad that he got one over on Kenny and became Impact Champion because honestly, I, like I said, I swore he had won it before. And it just makes sense that he would be Impact Champion. So I think that's really fucking awesome. But AEW Champion... Kenny Omega still running AEW the way that he does, and it made sense for him to hold on to it. Um, but Christian still did an amazing job. I hope more people put put respect on Christian because he truly is really freaking good. Like his whole outwork, everything, everyone thing, I truly believe because this dude works his ass off and does really, really good stuff in AEW. I've had, I haven't had anything bad to say about Christian since he's come to AEW, but this is awesome. But I'll go to JR first just to talk about the match before we talk about the aftermath. It was a solid match. I think it was just more of what you saw on Rampage. I thought the ending of Kenny's one-winged angel off the, the middle middle rope or the top rope was amazing. It was middle, yeah. It was middle, yeah. Um, it was as soon as he got ready for it, I was like, this is the end of the match. I think he did a great job back and forth. Um I, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I wasn't exactly excited to see it because I felt that I already saw it on Rampage, you know. But it was just continuance of Kenny being a good heel champion. And like I guess the ending sequence I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, I thought this match was just really good for what it was. Uh, in this case, uh, our boy Alex, big Kenny Omega fan, he took my spot in the second row and he got to enjoy the match and I enjoyed the match for my seat. I thought it was a really good match. Uh, honestly knew what was for me. I love the anticipation. Who's going to win or not going to win knew who was going to win. So it was just this moment where he's on the second ropes and he hits the one wing angel. Like as soon as he lands, I run to back to the second row. <laughs> so I'm like, cause I'm like, okay, now what I really want to see is about to happen. And I didn't know what I was going to get, 
but I knew I was going to get something. So, yeah, I ran to this back to the second row and they're like, let's go. And let's go. Yeah, the aftermath of the match was that the elite started beating up on Christian after the match. And then Jurassic Express tries to come down and save him. But the numbers are too much. So they get beat up. Kenny gets on mic. Saying, like, I'm hearing best in the world this, best in the world that. Lucha Bros this, Lucha Bros that. It's like, I am the best in AEW right now. Nobody can beat me. And the only people that could ever, when it comes to this AEW championship... The only people that could ever beat me for this title are either not here, already retired, or they're already dead. Wow. And it's Adam Cole, baby. And he, like, the whole that everybody had going into this was Brian Danielson, Brian Danielson, Brian Danielson. I saw signs. Already being put up, waiting for Brian Danielson. And Adam Cole shows up, and we're all completely blown away like, oh shit, it's Adam Cole. Fuck yeah. And he comes out and he stares off against the elite, starts yelling at him, back up to his feet, and he super kicks Jungle Boy. And he hugs the Young Bucks, gets kissed on both cheeks by both Young Bucks, realigns with the elite, the same people that murdered him years ago. Apparently, he didn't realize that. Um, being the elite that just aired today, he didn't even know where the hell he was and was just like, why does my, why does my throat taste like monster? Just completely had no idea. And yeah, just fully aligns himself with the, with the elite. And before we, I, I guess, do you want me to just say the next one or do you want me to just go ahead and just toss it to you guys first on thoughts? Okay, let's pause at this point to get our thoughts at this point. Go yeah. ahead, JR. Okay, thoughts at this part. Like, like going before anything else. Thoughts on Adam Cole? Um, I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think he... I. There was a part of me and that has now been officially just gone away it'll never be the case that wwe is like it's the wwe it's like as somebody once put it they're the new york yankees and it's like yeah you can make a lot of money playing for the minnesota twins or the san diego padres but at the end of the day you want to like it's the new york yankees that whole facade is officially dead and buried after this weekend where AEW is you know is up there for talents who want to sign and Adam Cole debuting and coming out and you heard that new entrance theme really I mean in my opinion what we saw with Adam Cole debuting and what in future it's reminiscent to me of when Scott Hall went to WCW. It's like, how do you let, you know, how did this guy become, you know, is on the show? Like, he was literally just on TakeOver two weeks ago. Uh, you know, NXT TakeOver. And now he's in AEW. I'm extremely interested to see what happens with Adam Cole because to me, there is so much money to be made for AEW in an Adam Cole versus Kenny Omega feud um, because of their history from when he left Ring of Honor 
So that's what I'm excited for. Like, that is a match. That's a few that I can't wait to see happen. Well, when he came out and he hit the baby, all I could think of is that's the loudest I've heard it. Uh, when he won the title, uh, actually not even won the title, when uh, Undisputed Era debuted in New York, I, I was there and it was just like, he gets in the middle of the ring and it's like Adam Cole and he does it and you just hear the whole crowd. It just shook with the baby and that's what I felt. And it was enough. That's what I was like. Um, it was enough. This is how the show should end. Adam Cole comes out. He did we just say what he did? We said what he did, right? Yeah, he turned heel. Yeah, yeah, he's super kicked Jungle Boy. Just wanted to make sure that was confirmed before I jumped up there. And I was like, "This is how the show ends: Super Elite, middle of the ring, show over, send us home." You know, they say send us home happy, and you know, like most of the time with heel stuff, you can't send them home happy. But it's Adam fucking Cole, so yes, we're happy. Done. Let's go home. Adam Cole baby shirts must be out in the merchandise stand. Jr. Go. Because I'm like sending them the text, sending them the size, right? I thought it was over. Yeah. Thought it was over. Yeah, and <laughs> I think if you asked anybody at that show, like, see what happened after Adam Cole, if they were just like Adam Cole debuting AEW, I think people would have been perfectly okay with that. They're like, okay, the whole rumors that were going around was about Brian Danielson. That's fine. We didn't get that. We got Adam Cole. That's still fucking awesome. I will not complain about not getting Brian Danielson because we got Adam Cole, and that's freaking awesome. Still one of the. I was there. I was there with Floyd. I was there at the same show Floyd was Brooklyn Three. I was there when Undisputed Era debuted and Adam Cole showed up in AEW. I was. I mean, in NXT. Like I was ecstatic. I was like, I got to see this man debut in two different companies. Like I, I was good. Yeah. No. As Kenny Omega is bidding us adieu, goodbye, mwah, and good boom, replays. We got fucking both in one night. Brian Danielson shows up in AEW, comes down, aligns himself with Christian and Jurassic Express, and goes to town on the elite. Guest kicks in the corner to Nick Jackson. German suplex, running knee. Fuck. Completely blown away that they literally did both in one night. I was like, okay, we'll wait for Grand Slam for when Daniel Bryan shows up. Nope. Bryan Danielson's in AEW at the same time as Adam Cole. Like, that's... At the same time as Ruby Soho. At the same time as Minoru Suzuki. I'm just saying, it's just any one of those things would be a great thing to add to the pay-per-view any two of those things yeah any any two of those things would be amazing but all four of those things there is nothing you can compare to it you cannot this has not happened this is one of one in wrestling nothing like this has ever happened like in the same show as long as i've been watching wrestling i just can't I can't even describe it. Like, JR, man, like, at this point, were you just like, I don't even know what's happening? I literally screamed out, What world am I in? Because I didn't know what the fuck was happening. I was staring at a ring where 
Kenny Omega, Adam Cole, a dinosaur, the son of Luke Perry, and Daniel Bryan were all in the same ring. I didn't know what was happening anymore. Sorry, your thoughts. JR? Do we got, do we got JR or do we lose him? I'm sorry, guys. Um, it's I all good, myself man. It's all good. The only thing I can say is what AEW did from the day they started up until, let's say, mid-July. It was they were a successful company. They gave you an alternative to wrestling. But the moves they've made with bringing in Andrade, Malachi Black, Ruby Soho, um, now with Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan, on top of other roster moves they made, you know, in the previous year, but really, you know, this one since they, let's say, went back on the road, they put themselves, they're putting themselves in a position to where if you didn't take them serious before, you better take them serious now because they have the resources, they have a talent roster that is stacked and they have so many potential storylines and feuds that are in this that is going to create exciting TV every Wednesday and every Friday. And this to me is when I like change the landscape is when Hall and Nash change the landscape for those Monday Night Wars back from 96 when it started. And with what AEW is doing, I'm in if people aren't fans before, I mean, especially if you saw that pay-per-view for the first time because of CM Punk, like, why would you not turn in to Wednesday? Because what happened at the end of All Out was one of the greatest things I've ever been a part of. Yeah, if you if you need a perfect explanation, Punk at, Punk at the media scrum right after All Out literally said uh part of my lewdness but when at when brian danielson and adam cole showed up i got a boner from that like dude <laughs> imagine okay like we're this will be the last i say about this and then we'll talk about our just our weekend in general and then our preview for the dynamite homecoming from john moxley next week imagine going back to just the inception of what AEW was when it was first announced we didn't have a pay-per-view like, they were just getting, like, warmed up to getting double or nothing and everything. We had to wait for that whole time, and it was just... AEW was, at one point, it was just at... When it was announced, it was just a t-shirt. It was just a logo. And the the lines of, it's a t-shirt company, they're going to fall on their face. No one... they Like, they can't do what they're doing. They were... They, they, it was all in, was a fluke. They're not going to be able to reduplicate that. All the stuff that was being said. And literally within... Two, three years, they have CM Punk, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, like Ruby Soho, like people are here. AEW has become the hot ticket. Like, it's coming to the point where Adam Cole is getting offered millions to re sign with AEW. I mean, re sign with WWE. He's getting offered millions to re sign with WWE. He still chose AEW. This company, I is I don't I can't even describe how massive this has been. 
And as a fan, I I can't even. I I wanted AEW to be good from the start. I wanted it to be good because another good wrestling company is always good for the business. I never thought it would get to the point where my like the, all this stuff would be happening all at once. But all I can say is I'm so happy I got in from the ground floor on this thing, and I've been reaping the rewards of being a fan for with this company since then, and it's just been the most fun I've had as a wrestling fan, and I don't know how long. Probably since I started, I haven't had this much fun as a wrestling fan. Genuinely. It's, I can't even gush about it enough. That was all out 2021. Again, the best wrestling show I have ever attended. I cannot say any more good things about it. This podcast would get way too long. Do y'all have anything else you want to cap off on this entire night before we get into our weekends and then what to do, what we're getting on dynamite next week or this week, actually. Floyd. We'll go to Floyd first or is he out? Um, the only thing I'll add from, from on my side, um, I think Floyd maybe stepped away real quick, but I will say AEW has a lot of chess chess pieces now. They have a lot of different directions they can go. The and one of the things that has been said is if you're looking at what AEW has, this is a place for wrestling. And not that there's anything wrong with the other guys. It's just it's a different it's entertainment, and they pride themselves on that. And it's that and there's a place in it for it, but this is a place where AEW is the home of professional wrestling in the United States now. And it, it's just there's no two ways to say that. There's entertainment and there's pro wrestling, and what AEW is able to offer, especially to people and i'll say people of our age you know also people like 18 to 34 um 18 to 40 demographic is a better product that is going to keep us interested and engaged the question becomes how do you follow up on this massive success of a pay-per-view because now that they're you know, they had, as I mentioned earlier, they had success. Even throughout the pandemic, they had success. But now they're in a position where they are getting over. And now is the time to where it's like, all right, where are we going in this direction? Um, the, it's good, the good thing is, is that they're going to have a lot more eyes on it. And they will learn from, I would say, previous mistakes of other promotions. Um the bad thing is, is now that they have all these chess pieces, people are their people's expectations are going to be a lot higher now, and that could be a dangerous thing if you don't know how to, um, if you as a promoter or you as a you know let's say booker slash writer are a little bit not as experienced and. That's where it's going to get interesting in the next three months, in my estimation, especially as we're leading towards full gear. Yeah, the the key, and someone will probably already said it. I unfortunately had to do the thing that I get paid to do. Uh, but um, the thing is, is they have a passionate fan base that have fell in love with Darby Allen, Jungle Boy. Um, 
Luchasaurus, the Lucha Brothers, all these people that have been established from AEW day one, they're going to have to find a way to feature them and also focus on the new people they brought in. Uh, the faction system helps that a lot uh, with them bringing so many factions. It's going to help a lot of people get featured. But just like that first time that all the title matches are the new people and like Darby and Jungle Boy are left out, you might see some people get upset, you know? So I, I, I love that they got everybody. It's going to be fun. But, yeah, it's going to be fun. Again, me and Austin come from the football fandom world. You can't have too much talent. Let, let's go. You know, if you want somebody, you know, somebody dope becomes available, you take them. It was, you know, last year the Bucks had a pretty good team, but then Leonard Fournette became available. They signed Leonard Fournette because he's Leonard Fournette, you know. So that's and they picked up Antonio and Brown in the middle. Yeah, yeah, and they already had Mike Evans and Chris uh, Godwin. I'm not going to try to get too deep in the weeds of football, but you can't have too much talent. And I feel that way in wrestling because, unfortunately, in wrestling injuries happen. That's one thing, uh, you know, life happens, COVID's a thing, you know, people need time off, you know, like uh, Hangman did for his kid, and he asked for time off. You were able to do that is because your cupboard is full, because you have a lot of talent, you were able to do this. You were able to say, hey, everybody was expecting Hangman and Omega at this pay-per-view, you're like, hey... <coughs> Excuse me, excuse me. I'll I'll edit that out, of course. But everybody was expecting Hangman and Omega. You didn't give it to them, and then you topped it. You made a bigger moment. You made a better pay-per-view. You probably sold more uh, pay-per-views in it, and this was just great. I was happy, so happy to be there. Uh, unfortunately, because of Mr. CM Punk, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees has been on extreme back order, so there was no new merch. At the merch stands last night, I can say this. Um, thank you, Pro Wrestling Tees, for looking out for my wallet. Because I would have impulse purchased both of those shirts. Absolutely. But now that I had I a day to... did. I already did. I had a day to think about it. I'm like, uh, Floyd, you got 400 shirts. You don't need it. But uh, I am rooting. I definitely got the Adam Cole Baby shirt for my boy Tyler. Tyler, I I don't yeah he don't, I don't even know how often he listens to the show, but this weekend he was the MVP. He was running people around. He drove, you know, picked us up, took us to the airport. We saved so much money <laughs> because of Tyler. So I just wanted to while we're doing the show, send him that special shout out. Yeah, and he's we're a big doing shout outs too. He, and oh, he's a big Adam Cole fan. So that yeah that's that goes yeah, along with sure. our topic. For sure, but um, the one, before we wrap up on All Out and we talk about our weekend, I got to say a big shout-out goes to um, our boy uh, Security Sam. Sam uh, from AEW Security and Atlas Security. Um, that's our guy. We are, me and Sydney, like, that's our boy right there, Sam. And we got to see him. We weren't able to catch him at uh, AEW Rampage, uh, the first dance. He We, we, we were, we were kind of planning on, like, meeting up with him, saying hi. But, of course, it was the debut of CM Punk. So it was kind of fucking crazy. So it was understandable why we couldn't see him. He felt bad. It was all good, though. We saw him. Sydney saw him at the AW Heels party that took place the night, night before. Um, and I got to see him right before the show. 
Um, that's my guy. I, I got nothing but love for him. He's like one of the coolest dudes. Um, he made sure my favorite wrestler didn't die when he jumped into the fucking crowd on night one. Uh, so thank you for that. And despite the fact that he is a piece of trash that supports Ohio State football, uh, I love him to death and I think he's great. Um, but go blue. And uh, yeah, that's just want to give him a big shout out because he's he's the dude. But that was all out. So all out 2021 is in the books. Um, before we cover the matches that were announced for AEW Dynamite on Wednesday this week, where it's going to be John Moxley's homecoming, uh, I will let Floyd and Jr. recap their weekend. Uh, uh, mine's very short because we got in on Saturday, so I will go through mine very quickly. Sydney went to the AEW's Heels event while I stayed at the main event arcade that was right across the street from the Now Arena. I hung out there for about two hours and then picked her up. Sydney had a ball at the heels event met everybody there she had a ball um shout out to everyone that all the girls uh from the roster that were at that event you you made sydney's night just from how cool everybody was and that was genuinely one of her favorite things i think she's experienced as a wrestling fan like in terms of meeting people so everyone there i can't thank you guys enough um like thank you for taking good care of my sister i really appreciate that and then we were at the all outside party where I basically hung out and t- talked with my friend Tyler, who, I'm a, who I got to hang out with before the show. And Cindy met up with her friends from Tomas Island. And that was our weekend. We drove home the next day. So, And we also ran into Dave and everybody after the show and talked to them uh, and Floyd and Tiff and everybody. Um, so that was pretty much my weekend. So I just wanted to get that out of the way since mine was very short. And JR and Floyd had a little bit more in their weekend. So I will, I will toss it to them to talk about their weekend. JR, you go first. Tell, talk about your Uh, favorite things. Uh, so, well, I came in actually on Tuesday because going from West coast to anywhere in the, you know, Midwest or East is especially East is an all day affair. So, I got I got there Tuesday at a little over eight o'clock at night, so I just had dinner and waited in the hotel room until the next day. Uh, you know, Wednesday went to have you know good breakfast in Schaumburg. Met up with Floyd and Tiffany and Alex, and got a chance to eat Portillos for the first time because I've never been to Illinois or the Chicago area. Went to my first ever Dynamite. Never been to Dynamite and. Um, and then Thursday, uh, got a chance to have breakfast again with um, with my buddy Alex, and we, you know, ha- hung out Friday. Went to the fan fest and got a chance to meet so many cool talent. Uh, Abaddon was amazing in her character, especially for anybody who loves horror. Um, Abaddon's character I mean I really didn't I didn't really like it like on TV but seeing it in person and meeting her was a really cool experience and you know getting a chance to meet Lucha Bros and I had this custom made uh, Mexico hat you know being a proud Mexican I had Sierra Romero in, uh, embroidered on the side of it and I had this Ray Phoenix face mask that I bought off their website uh, luchamask.com and they loved it and it was so cool meeting them Eddie Kingston was amazing got a chance to meet Eddie Kingston on Friday and um, got a chance to meet um, John Silver I wore my John Silver shirt I love that dude I did 
do the bicep flex with him as we waited for Cole Cabana, who was in the middle of doing critical botch. And then he came down and we got another group picture. And then went to um, got went to Rampage and you know again you know Rampage brand new first Rampage show being in that Chicago crowd with you know CM Punk you know when he came out both nights was awesome set us home happy with his um, off air script Saturday more Fat Fest you know it was an all day affair um, got a chance to meet you know Jay Cargill and Andrade. And Thunder Rosa, and I can't tell you enough how much I love Jamie Hayter and Jade and Thunder Rosa. Those three women were so awesome to get a chance to talk to for a few minutes. They were so gracious, you know, that we were there as fans. And I just told them how much I love Thunder Rosa, and and uh, she she has a special place in my heart because I told her that my wife couldn't come because she was busy with work, and she wrote out an inscription on her autograph. She put uh, to my wife, you know, my wife's name, um, thank you for being the most patient wife ever, um, and then signed Thunder Rosa, which I didn't ask her to do that. She, I just asked her to sign it to my wife, and it was she was amazing. And because I had my Thunder Rosa shirt, she actually asked the guy to take a picture of us with her camera, which I freaking popped because I'm just a freaking, you know, wrestling nerd, and so... Um, I thought that was cool. And Jade and Jamie, I explained to them how seeing, you know, their photos of their, you know, workouts and what they do is just inspiration. Because for me, being, you know, going to the gym, anytime I see wrestlers, whether it's Cody, Jordan Grace, Jade Cargill, Brian Cage, you know, their workout routines, putting stuff out there, it just gives me more motivation to make sure I don't miss the gym that day. And just there were they just really were amazing to talk to. Um, it was great seeing so many people. Like you know, uh, I saw uh, the one of the most phenomenal uh, creative artists, uh, seamstress Kel. Um, there at Fan Fest, um, I got a chance to meet. I call him Padre, Father Guillermo. He's in pro. You know, he's a big AEW fan. Big. You see him with his MJF cloth. Um, I got a chance to meet up with him at FanFest. And then we went to Busted Open. Uh, Floyd and I and Tyler and Alex went to Busted Open. I got a chance to meet uh, Will Hobbs, who's awesome. Got a chance to meet Santana, who's awesome. Um, got a chance to meet Dave LaGreca. And I was trolling him wearing my Thunder Rosa shirt. Got a chance to uh, meet Izzy again. And um, Gabby from Busted Open, who was amazing. And it was a cool experience. And the one thing I'll say with all that fan fest, we had late nights, and I have no idea why, but I'm just not cut out for long lines anymore. So my, I was ready to go take a long nap and get ready, recruit for All Out. And obviously, we all know how that went. Uh, we Before, we got a chance to eat Giordano's, which was a place I never ate at before, which was amazing um, to have that you know last group dinner uh, with Floyd. Uh, Tiffany and Alex, and then I got a chance to see you after the show, which is awesome because I, you know, have so much love and respect for you, Austin and and Sydney. So that was cool seeing you guys. Yeah, that's pretty much. That was pretty much my week. You know, my week. It was. It seemed like it was going to be a long time because it was six days, but it went by like it was six hours. And um, like I said, I just landed today, and I really can't. I I said it so many times, but I really can't thank uh, Floyd 
and Tiffany and Alex who just made the weekend so amazing spending those days with them and bonding whether it was going out to eat going to shows the shows together going to fan fest together um they really made um this week's experience memorable i normally don't go to, i've never went to shows with anybody really before i was always went solo um so having people that i really view as family going with them and and doing the things that we did was just one of the best experiences of my life and uh, i can't wait to do it again all right. Um, then me jumping in on this. I mean, a lot of the things we we did together. Uh, we got there on. I got there on Wednesday. It was, you know, uh, shout out to Matt uh, for giving us our, 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 our ride from the airport. He was dope for that because from the airport we chose Matt Monahan uh, from the airport that we chose. It was about eighty bucks. To get to our hotel, he came and did it for free, offered money. He was good, so that was dope. Um, uh, Dynamite was amazing. Uh, I, I put a tweet out from uh, I put a tweet out from uh, us uh, from uh, myself. It was a picture that was sent out from us, and I just I, I really did want to say this on the show. It's why another many reasons I love wrestling. Uh, me, uh, Alex, just talking about our foursome, me, Alex, Tiffany, and JR should know each other. JR is from California. Tiffany is from Indiana and then moved to Kansas City. Uh, 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 our boy Alex is from Pennsylvania. I'm from Oklahoma. We're all different ages, different, raised completely different ways, you know. Shit, there's music I've heard of that none of them have heard of and vice versa. But what brings us together is pro wrestling. And we did a weekend together based on pro wrestling. We became a small family based on pro wrestling. So I just, I love it and I will always love it. And nobody can make me feel bad about loving it. It'll never be like a guilty pleasure all the wrestlers I met this weekend, uh, special highlights to our FTR who dug our shoes and we got the special, uh, we got the special pose and got my leg up there and it was just great talking to them because they were so appreciative because you could hear it in their voice. They really did think new wrestling had passed them by and they just like all the people being there and telling them how much they loved them, uh, you know, brought that back and then they put on that killer match with Santana Ortiz that we were there for. I had to miss the North Carolina match. Austin, you know how much that broke my heart, right? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, that crushed me. And I got to be second row to see FTR and Proud and Powerful do their thing on a dynamite and put on on an amazing match. I thought it was just perfect and i know my boys didn't win but man that was a great match and it was like the crowd was into it and people just need to be reminded sometimes of what they can do what they can do with their brushes when they are given allowed the chance to paint their picture and it was beautiful and you know i got to meet them and tell them how much i appreciate them which i've done so many times but 
it'll never they're my favorite tag team so they'll they'll never understand how much i love tag team wrestling and how much i just wanted to be back and so got to talk to them i'm like i'm in another line and they called me out and they point at my shoes and everything they gave me shit for not wearing the jacket but all of you know <laughs> the jacket the jackets I, I tried to explain to them the jacket's a 2x i'm a little bigger than a 2x as in, I wore a 2X when I was 17 years old. I am 40 now. That's the last time I could fit a 2X. And they still didn't care. No, they was like, you should have worn it. Wore it, let it be snug. So the next time I meet FTR, I'm going to be in this jacket that literally <laughs> won't even close. Straight fat guy in a little coat. So they can see that I wasn't exaggerating. <laughs> that I would love to wear their jacket. There's just not enough material. So there you go. Uh, All right. So, uh, but yeah, that was that was beautiful. The busted open thing. Oh, my God. If you get a chance to do it, it takes a certain type of person, person. So if you're a people person who likes to hang around wrestlers, drink a little and eat all you can, sign up for the busted open thing. Now, I know a lot of people don't like to be around big crowds and things like that, especially in COVID. Don't do it if you're not into it. But if it is your thing, it was it meets every expectation. <laughs> Dave LaGreca is one of the most personable people that I've ever met. He just has a good time. Mark Henry is just like chill and cool. Uh, Santana is uh, just, I think he might be the coolest human on the planet just because he literally sat in the same spot and still kind of controlled the room. And then Will Hobbs is a massive human being. Uh, and he was really fun and awesome, and it was just a fun night. We were, we were only there for a couple hours, but I wanted to stay there for, like, six more. It was just so fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't say enough about it, and like I said, about my wrestling family, I can't say enough about it. Sydney and Austin, who, of course, included in that. Two people, again, I shouldn't know them. I'm, like, 20 years older than them. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like there's really no reason for us to be friends, but it works out because and not only is like we're your friends, we're family. It's like when I get something with uh, the Tongans on it, you know, first thing I think first thing I think is um, maybe Sydney will want it. Like this, the first thing I, I think of is that maybe Sydney will want it. You know, it's like. The first uh, time I think of it, when I think about doing, uh, uh, when I think about um, like people doing commentating, like in twenty years, I fully expect Austin to be the voice of AEW. It's just, it's it's not something I want. It's something I expect, you know, because I know how much work he puts into it. I know how he does everything he can to be successful. And I know I just feel like it's going to happen. And it's just like, these are my family members. Like, these are people that, you know, take a bullet for, you know. And, you know, and it's just, I don't know. Wrestling has done that for me. I know I'm trying not to be overly ass happy. But when I come back from my trips, all the first thing I think about is how much I'm going to miss the people I just got to hang, hang with and how I can't wait to hang with them again. And it's just, yeah, I get in my feelings a little bit. Jay Cargill. Everything you see on TV is nothing compared to the person in real life. <laughs> uh, perfect specimen of a human. 
<laughs> just, yeah. just, just perfect. Like, yeah, I, in awe when, as soon as you walk in there, it's just like, and she's like, "Yeah, we, I work really hard for you." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I, yeah, I, I, I was like, it was like I didn't even have a response to it because to me that's a given. You don't look like that without hard work. You know what I mean? You don't mm-hmm. build the empire she has built based on her name without hard work. I basically told Thunder De Rosa that she better win the uh, battle royal. How I put it was, I'll be wearing my shirt. I'll be in the second row. Uh, uh, you know, expect you to win. She said, "I'll try." It's like get it done. <laughs> and I, she kind of <laughs> taken aback, and I was, you know, I was joking and stuff, but I was like, just really rooting for her because, you know, just really wanted her to win. Then I got to see Fuego, Oklahoma's own Fuego. We are literally from the same city, you know, you know, probably live five or ten miles away from each other. We know all the same people. Uh, Fuego's in it, so he, I'm always going to be a fan of his. A uh, special shout, a special shout out to our Ryan and Annie Mulligan. They took care of us too. Uh, it was just a really, really great weekend. I, I, it's. It, I always tell people I work a lot, and there's a reason I work a lot. And those weekends and those events are the reason I work a lot. And it's, it's just. As fun as anything I could I actually think of. I can't even think of anything that's more fun than those weekends. I wish I would have got to spend more time with, uh, you know, uh, with you and uh, your sister. But of course, you know, business picked up. You know how that works. And you, yeah. you, you had stuff to do as soon as you walked in, which I fully expect. I had plans. So we did. But we did get to hook up and see each other and get a picture together, which you still haven't sent me. Um, I will get that to you as soon as we get off. No, and it was just a great. It was a great weekend. I, I like. I could talk about it. We could have done this as two separate shows. <laughs> so that's how much I loved it. But uh, we did it as one, and I will stop talking now. I'm not done, but I will stop talking now. <laughs> yes, and uh, boy, nothing but love to you, man. Like me and Sid, absolutely consider you family, and even besides just when you reached out asking me to do this podcast and like. Uh, work with you with this which has been nothing but a ball um you have been nothing but cool to us like we we genuinely appreciate you for your kindness like goes for you and tiff since like you guys are conjoined at the hip i'm pretty sure um y'all are nothing but kind and generous and like your your kind words really do mean a lot i take those to heart so yeah shout out to you shout out jr so good seeing you man you're you're just you're just a peach. I really was happy we got to meet up again, meet up for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that's that's just the kicker on just seeing an incredible wrestling show. It's seeing an incredible wrestling show with people that you care about. So nothing but love to y'all. I can't thank y'all enough. I'm gonna wrap this up real quick because, like I said, we're going a bit long, but that's fine because we're just gushing at this point. It's a, it's just an all out, no pun intended. It's an all out gush fest over this fucking show. Dynamite Mox Homecoming on Wednesday. That's Gigi really the only. Yeah, it's the only match announced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's literally it. The only match is announced that's John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki, which in itself is really the only match you had to announce to get people to watch the show. So there you go. We get the fallout. Like Ruby Soho will be there. 
we got a, a expectation of like what's going to happen with Brian Danielson and Adam Cole being with and now Adam Cole being back with the elite and what Brian Danielson's going to do. Um, his speech that he his little promo he cut after the show went off the air was amazing. I'm sure people have uploaded it to YouTube or Twitter. Find it, watch it. It's great. He's great. Um, yeah, that was everything. I genuinely don't know if we can touch on anything else because I think that was. I mean, that was it. It was fucking insanity, and it was one of the, one of the most fun nights I've had as a wrestling fan. It was incredible, and I I knew I knew getting into this company was going to be a bit of a, a risk because, like, I had been hurt by supporting a wrestling company like before. Um, and even trying to get into other wrestling companies like New Japan and Ring of Honor, like I love those companies, and I love. I got into a phase where I watched Lucha Underground a ton. I love that too, but none of them like stuck to the point where I was like, "This is some of the best shit I've ever seen in my life." Everything that I've watched from like from New Japan, Ring of Honor, uh, Lucha Underground, all those promotions, GCW, everything I've watched in that kind of, I've I've enjoyed everything I've watched, like because it's. It's wrestling. It's hard for me not to enjoy it unless you're actively trying to fuck me over. And yeah, everything I've watched from the, those guys is great, but nothing felt like I was literally seeing history or just that I had such a connection to a promotion as I do with AEW. It's actively astounding. And I mean, bringing back one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, that'll do it for sure. But even before that, I... This company just hasn't led me astray. And even when I'm like, oh, uh, the Dark Order, I don't know who they are, but you know what? Like, It's like, I don't know who the fuck these guys are. Why do they look like creepy pedophiles? Um, they've turned those guys around. I didn't mean to use that term either. It kind of just slipped out. So if you're offended by that, I apologize. But yeah, I they improved the Dark Order instantaneously and their character worked out better. Like every time I'm like, eh, I don't know about where we're going or eh. Maybe we should have gotten the Hangman Kenny match. I don't know why. Why is it changing? Everything worked out. It worked out so well, and this company is just never. It hasn't led me astray yet. And like, if it does, I'll call them out on it. But like, I I I can't thank AEW enough for giving me these moments because it's it's genuinely be, been incredible. I truly can't believe it. Like seriously. But that uh, I think we'll wrap it up. I've rambled a ton, but. Uh, I want to thank you guys so much for watching and listening to this episode of All Things Elite. Uh, JR, again, thank you for being on. Please plug where everyone can find you on social media. Yeah, um, if you guys go to on Twitter, it's at Trick or Treat Pod. That's at Trick or Treat Pod. That is uh, the home of the Trick or Treaters podcast. You'll find our link tree, access to our merchandise and past episodes. Uh, we didn't drop ep- we did not drop a new episode for the first week of September because as we just talked about I was uh, in the Chicago area for all out we'll be dropping one this Friday uh, this month of September is gonna be all movies sh- from the streaming horror service called Shutter. The first one we're dropping um, is for the movie called Jacob's Wife and if yes. I'm not mistaken this has CM Punk in it. Yes, he plays the police officer. He's got it. He's got a shitty ass mustache, and it looks awful. But he was great. Um, yes, uh, my boy Kyle uh, picked it um, because we thought it would be great. Because as we we picked it, CM Punk had just debuted uh, in AEW. So yes, yeah, so that'll be dropping this Friday. 
Uh, I believe that's September 10th. Um, so, yeah, this month is all things Shutter. All right. Well, that will wrap it up on uh, this episode of All Things Elite. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, if you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to follow it. Be sure to give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. Um, be sure to review us on, on podcasts. Uh, give us a follow on, spot on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, all that kind of stuff. Leave early in. If you like, uh, donate us to us on Red Circle. Um, on Twitter, we are at AT Elite Pod. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible and check out all their other shows on their network. I am at A Austin Sumowitz, S Z U M O W I C Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And before my voice officially leaves me, as I'm holding on to dear life to it, Floyd, take us home on this all out episode of All Things Elite. All right. Uh, I'm going to leave you with. Because you heard me getting all sappy earlier. I'm just going to leave with you. Be kind to people. Be nice to people. Uh, you should, if you're a friend, you should be the person that people that can call and be there for them anytime. It's just what you, it's just, just never any time a chance. You're always given two chances to be a good person or to not be a good person. Choose, be a good person. And whether it is home. Work or school, always do your best to be elite.